Welcome to episode 71 of the Ben Briggs podcast. I am Ben Briggs. It's Tuesday, people. Tuesday, the 7th of January, 2020. Um, Only it's not. It's Wednesday, people. It's Wednesday, the 8th of January right now. I'm recording this. Uh, It is um, 20 past nine at night. I know. I've done it again, people. I lied to you last time, didn't I? I've done it. I'm going to try and be better. I know. I'm going to try and be a better person. That's my uh, resolution that I've horrendously broke um, within the last week um, since the start of the new year um, to get this out on time. Um, It's just life's got away from me, man. Um, A little bit. Anyway, a little bit. Only this week. uh, We'll be back on track. It is still Tuesdays and uh, Saturdays that I am committed to for bringing this across the airways, across, is it, it's not even airways, is it, across the Wi-Fi of uh, modern day society. Um, Yeah, so, um, yeah, sorry it's late, people. I can only apologise. I can only apologise, you know. I'm only human, people, and I, I'm only human. I can only do what I can do. That's it. Um, I have been... um, I have been massively fixated on the new series of Doomsday Preppers. I ain't going to lie to you, people. I am not going to lie to you. I am fucking hooked into it. Um, not that I'm doing anything to prepare for Doomsday like these uh, people do. I imagine there's Doomsday Preppers in the, uh, in the UK. They're slightly less interesting than the American ones. The American ones just get fucking tooled up with guns, man. That's what they do. It seems a massive amount of money people in the States are spending uh, on uh, the doomsday prophecy coming true. Whichever prophecy they may have, by the way, because they've all got different fucking shit they're scared of out there. You know who you are, American listeners. I don't know. I'm not sure that's true. If you are a doomsday prepper listening to this in the States, contact me immediately um, in your best... In your best American, I was going to say. In the best American way you feel possible. Um, You can email me because I'm fascinated, people. I'm fascinated by these people who who are constantly spending millions of dollars, by the way, on... uh, And the whole premise of the program, if you've never seen it, the whole premise of the program, they've got something they're scared of. And it's something different for everybody. It's either a fucking volcano, a tsunami that's happening 3,500 miles away that's going to hit a wave of 80 feet in the middle of fucking America. But this woman was fucking obsessed that this was going to happen. Or um, solar flares knocking out, like, electricity and shit. Or various other things. World-ending catastrophes where these people are preparing themselves for this day in various ways either storing food, storing water. One geezer built, and then at the end of it, right, uh, at the end of it, they give them like a ranking out of 100 as and, uh, and a timescale for how long they're going to live, like after the, uh, after doomsday happens. And I ain't going to be funny with you people. Not a lot are going to live more than about 16 months after the rest of us fucking die. I don't see that. One geezer, as I was about to say before I rudely cut myself off there, one geezer spent um, millions. He had an underground bunker built. He had it buried in his land. Uh, He's got an escape hatch, 
like the way he has to dig his way out. It's like fucking some sort of corrugated tube with like bunk beds in there and that. He's got food under the floor, stored water. I think he got a he got a uh, he got in the eighties out of a hundred. Most people would get about forty, fifty because they forget something. Um yeah, he got about like in the eighties with this um score and it gave him uh sixteen months to live. What's the fucking point? Sixteen months to live after you've uh after the, everybody else is dead. So you've got 16 months of walking around the planet, not queuing for anything, even though nothing's open. I don't know. I don't know whether it's worth the money, to be honest, or whether I'm... I, it's just accept your fate. You know, like I was I, I was saying this the other night. I was, uh, I was looking around the cupboards in my flat to see how I'd get on how my doomsday prepping is going. I've got some green tea that I bought ages ago that is probably off by now because somebody said detoxing is great and green tea is good for that. I've got half a tub of drinking chocolate that is rock solid now. I've got some Tabasco sauce because I went through a stage of having wraps and I thought it might spice up the wraps a bit and it spiced it up too much. So that's got like fucking like where it's congealed Tabasco sauce around the top. It gets that horrible fucking shit around the top of it. So I've got a bit of that and um, some pasta, half a um, half a packet of pasta that's been in there years that is no doubt past its sell-by date, but that'll keep me going. I'm going to make it through till possibly lunchtime on doomsday. That's it. And I'm still going to be hungry after that lot. I'm still, uh, doomsday is going to happen in the unlikely event I survive it because I'm living in a ground floor flat. Hopefully, like the top floor, the people living in the top floor, they're going to take the brunt of it and somehow the roof collapses, but collapses exactly onto my flat underneath and just stays there. And somehow I survive it. I'm going to last until about lunchtime before I start feeling a little bit peckish. I'm not, I said the other night, I'm not prepared for the end of the week, let alone the end of the world. Um, I don't know, people. But these people, it just seems like a waste of money. If you're going to live 16 months longer than anybody else, and then you've got to come out your little bunker and venture out into a nuclear wasteland looking for a fucking Snickers bar to chew down on, I don't know, man. I think I'd I'd rather go straight away, to be honest. I'd rather go... Have it done. I will be running towards the blast zone of a nuclear disaster. That's my best bet. That's what it would come up if I was judged out of like 100 on there. It would come up with minus numbers and say, drive as fast as you can towards the blast and just end the inevitable suffering that will happen for you. (laughs) I don't know, man, but I'm fascinated by it. I'm absolutely fascinated by it. I fucking love the program. Just how mental people are. There was uh, there was some family who uh, uh, own some sort of Wild Bill Hickok place. You know these. Um, I think it was called Deadwood. It's like a theme park. Like it's not even a theme park. It's like a a place where you go, like uh, over in the states, where you want to exp- have that authentic Western experience. 
or as authentic. You know, you're not going to get shot in a saloon or anything like that or pick up uh, pick up scurvy or rickets or possibly the pox. I don't know. There's no, there's no like, you know, hotel of hookers working there. That's a very American phrase, isn't it? Hookers, uh, prostitutes working there. You know, it's just a family who do sort of like make-believe shootouts and they've got like a hotel, a bar that they've made and a little old train that goes round. But um, yeah, they got, uh, they had all these things. They had loads, shitloads of guns, obviously. Um, shitloads of ammunition. But um, it just seemed like when they were, I think they got a really bad low result because basically uh, the place they were in uh, wasn't very secure and um, they had fuck all food to eat. So they could probably do their reenactments for about six months longer. <laughs> That's about it. What's the point of that? I don't know. Bring it on. That's what I say. It's almost like these people are willing the end of the world to happen. They want it to happen, the end of the world, because it'll give them something. I don't know. It'll give them something in their lives where they can have that heroic thing where they're fighting against the odds because there's damn little excitement in life these days. There's no real adventure. That is the last adventure out there. The doomsday happening and you're living in a fucking Mad Max wasteland and I'm sitting here lighting me flat, just waiting, you know, just waiting for my neighbours to kick in the door so they can get hold of my drinking chocolate. <laughs> That's the only thing about this country, right? There's no fucking... We've got no fucking weapons over here whatsoever. So you can't defend yourself anyway. You've got a knife, which is like hand-to-hand combat. That's going to be 50-50 at best. You've got no weapons, no long-range weapons. I suppose you could get, like, um, a crossbow... They sell crossbows over here. You can get one of those, can't you? They'd start getting suspicious if you start stocking up on bolts, though, wouldn't they? You turn into fucking Robin Hood opening your front door. Let's have a little bit of tea. Hang on. Mm, I, I still haven't got any soya milk yet. I know. It's been a it's been a very difficult week. Um, very difficult week. But, yeah. So we've got nothing to protect ourselves over here. So I've got to, like, fashion some sort of implements out of a fucking sharp on the end of a mop or something just to keep people at bay, keep them away from my fucking half a packet of pasta and Tabasco sauce, which will be... If somebody was actually stockpiling, stockpiling toilet paper to use to barter with people because they thought that that would be a luxury item. I think if everyone has been killed... You know, the majority of people have been killed apart from these people in doomsday bunkers and shit like that, or with a bug out plan, as they call it, where they have to get out, they have to get out of Dodge, man, and they have a safe area they get to. But I think if everybody has, has gone and died, you know, and society's broken down, I think the last thing people are going to be worried about is a couple of skid marks. I don't think toilet paper is going to be the issue. Really, I don't think people are going to be bartering for that. It's going to be food and fucking clean water, isn't it? Possibly soya milk. I don't know. I'd barter for that right now. Definitely. <laughs> I'd take a bit of soya milk. There you go. Have as much bog roll as you want. I don't know. It'd still be the things now that people barter for, wouldn't it? 
It'd be like jewellery and shit and fucking sex, probably. You know, people would still want that need, wouldn't they? You know, there'd still be people out there selling the old coochie uh, for a chocolate bar or something like that, just to just to get them through till the next day. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm becoming a professional at judging these people, not fucking surviving these people. Although you possibly could if you found somebody over here, you know it's not going to be that well defended. So you could get a few of you together. Um dodge them arrows coming at you. I don't even know if people do it over here, to be honest. I think we're all, like, possibly British people are a little bit more cynical and just think, ah, well, we'll just accept our fate. That's what we'll do. Uh, it is fascinating watching it, though. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend watching it. Um, let's have a look. Sorry, I've got me mug in my hand still. Some of that sweet, 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 bitter, fucking tasteless tea. Tasteless I can feel it staining my teeth as we speak, people. Um, I don't know. I watched a good... Um, another thing I watched uh, last night uh, was the Dogtown and Zed Boys skateboarding documentary. I, I don't know. I'm not really into skateboarding. Never really was, right? I had a skateboard, obviously. I'm a child of the 80s, and I? Um, growing up in the 80s, born 77... So skateboarding sort of like hit, like sort of like mid-80s in the UK. We're always fucking miles behind the Americans, aren't we? They always do everything first, don't they? Um, they all do the cool stuff. But if you haven't seen that documentary, it's on Netflix. I think it's like from 2001. Uh, but it's an interesting documentary, um, Dogtown and Zed Boys. Um, which is basically, um, it follows like, chronicles sort of like the uh 1970s skateboarding scene uh apparently in the states in the 60s way before my time um it was quite popular and then died down and then in the 70s like there was a group of uh young lads living in dogtown who essentially took what people were doing from surfing and what they were doing on from surfing and took it and bought it onto skateboards basically so they created sort of like the modern day um how the the way skateboarding is done now you know all the tricks all that shit uh in the 60s and that it was a bit lame people doing headstands and shit <laughs> I showed you a little bit of that like when they went into this competition and they were like the badass you know i think they were only about 15 16 or whatever they couldn't have been that badass but um they were the sort of like bad boys of fucking skateboarding and there's people doing, you know, going along on a skate. They look like fucking, they made the other people look like fucking circus performers. It was ridiculous. And they're pulling all these like fucking surfing moves and shit like that on skateboards. But um, it just chronicles sort of like um, this group of people, a uh, group of lads, like who, um, there were so many things that coincided with um uh, the the rebirth of skateboarding in the seventies, like somebody had developed the neoprene or or whatever it was, like wheel. Before that, the wheels were made out of clay or or whatever they were saying, and um, uh, how there was a drought, like in seventy mid seventies, and all the pools around California um were drying out. So these guys started skateboarding in the empty pools and shit like that, and breaking into backyards and that. And that's when they started developing their tricks. And that's why, like, a lot of the skate parks almost look like sort of like empty fucking 
swimming pools um, with all the ripples and things like that in there. And it was just fucking fascinating, people. Fascinated my English. It blew my English mind, man, because I remember skateboarding and it was never that cool, right? I remember there used to be a fucking cheap shop in Northampton called Briley's that used to be down Gold Street in Northampton. Now, if you're not aware of Northampton, this place was, it was a precursor, a predecessor, an ancient sort of like part of the DNA of Poundland, essentially. This was what Briley's was. And they used to do these fucking multicolored plastic skateboards, um, sort of like a marble effect they had on them. I've seen them online, actually. Uh, they still sell them to this day. Bog standard skateboard. You know how like modern day skateboards have got the two flip ups at the end. You know the two bits that rise at the end, so you can do all your ollies and shit like that. Yeah. Um, this only had one at the back and it had a pointed front. It's probably got a name. I don't know. I wasn't that into skateboarding. All I do know is everyone in my street went to Briley's and bought one of these skateboards. They must have been about a quid. I don't know. I don't know. But everybody had one, and we all got them. Uh, I don't know how those trends... How do those trends start off? You know what I mean? Like, you have all these kids' trends or whatever. He says drinking tea. They're starting a trend. You have all these kids' trends and that. Who are the first people to get these? Because back in the day, it wasn't marketing. Like, a few people in your street would get something, and then everybody had it. Or were into something, and then everybody had it. It was like these skateboards, they just suddenly turned up, like fucking Rubik's Cubes. All of a sudden, you know, or fucking Rubik's Magics or whatever, or any of those things. Yo-yos. They're due a comeback, aren't they? Yo-yos. They haven't been, you know... You had the old Duncan Butterfly yo-yos and shit, and you were doing, you know. Then you had the Coca-Cola ones. Anybody remember that when Coca-Cola did them? Coca-Cola and Fanta and fucking, you had all of those Diet Coke, Sprite on the side of a fucking yo-yo. Then you had the um, the Glow ones. But all of these things, all of a sudden, they go around in cycles, don't they? Like they come back in again. Um, pro- Possibly not, though, now, these days, you know. Because they've been usurped by things like fidget spinners and shit like that, haven't they? But all of a sudden they'll come out and everybody's got them, haven't they? But who are the first people? You know, you're banking on that, aren't you? They must be the popular kids. The popular kids are are banking on the fact that everybody else is going to follow, aren't they? You know, you just turn up with a fidget If the first person turned up with a fidget spinner and everybody goes, what a piece of shit that is. What are you wasting your time with that for? Or a yo-yo. What the fuck are you wasting your time with that for, you idiot? Just everybody starts pelting them with fucking tennis balls. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But these things take off. Anyway, all I remember about skateboarding is where I used to live when I was a kid. Copper Leaf Close in Malton, by the way. Uh, I can say that now. My parents don't live there anymore. Um... Where it was, it was like on a hill. So it was a close, but it was on a hill. So the top of the close where we lived, um, it went into a hill and then it banked to the right, which was a road. Um, So you go down the middle of the road on your skateboard, then it banked to the right. And then if you immediately went left, that went down to an even steeper hill down Lowick Court, I think it was. 
Oh, no, underbank lane. That was it. That was it. So you start off top of Copper Leaf close. You'd, you'd fucking skateboard around the corner. Uh, hope no cars were coming. Um, this was pre-people worrying about cars and shit like that. They'd close the roads these days, I imagine. They'd have cones out closing the roads. One parent would be fucking holding up traffic. You know, there'd be people at the bottom with water and a blanket making sure we didn't have PT fucking SD for the journey that we'd been on. Um, but we'd go down, we'd start at the top of uh, Copper Leaf Close, go around the corner and then go down like the steep hill of Underbank Lane and just hope to heaven um, that a car wasn't coming in the other way. Uh, going down the road or coming up the road. And what we used to do as well, we didn't just do it sort of like um, singly. What we'd do, we'd put two skateboards opposite each other and um, uh, we'd do it that way. We started putting our legs across like to the other. You'd sit on one skateboard, put your legs across the other side and two of you would go down, which is a little bit more dangerous. Then you'd link it up and do four skateboards and then somebody would be pushing on another skateboard from the back. So there'd be like five of you hurtling down the road with somebody pushing from the back on a, another skateboard, uh, just trying to go as fast and fast as possible. I remember that. It was fun times, that people. I remember it well. Ah, oh, bit of nostalgia for Ben there. Takes me back. I remember the horrendous accidents that used to occur. That's the sort of thing you don't really worry about. Is it, you know, scraping your leg, scraping your knee or whatever? There was always, you know, somebody fucking doing something. Uh, I remember, like, the, I've still got the scar on my chin to this day, setting up a um, uh, setting up a ramp on one of the curbs. And uh, a lot of the kids in my road were older because I had an older brother. Um, I, I still have an older brother. Um, and um, so they'd set up a ramp with the bikes. And their bikes were fine going over it. And mine was obviously a smaller bike because I was like four years younger. And I remember going straight up the ramp, not hitting it with enough speed. That's only a mistake you you ever make once. And then going flying over the handlebars and just smashing my chin on the, um, on the, uh, on the tarmac and just dragging my face and chin along. Four stitches later, I'm sitting in hospital. <laughs> My mum just holding a uh, holding a uh, a uh, tea towel under my chin, just stopping all the blood as it was pissing out. And I've still got every time I shave, you can still see the scar, man. Great times. These kids are missing out these days. <laughs> Fuck it, it's safer. I don't blame them staying in. You know, playing video games. It's a lot safer. Um, bit of a nostalgia fest there for the. Uh, at Briggs Towers, and I'm enjoying it. Let's have a little bit more tea. Hang on, getting a little bit, um, getting a little bit dry. Yeah, so it's well worth watching that documentary. It was really interesting. You know, just like reflecting back. Uh, I mean, we were doing none. We were doing none of the shit that these people were doing on skateboards. Can I add that? I'll just add that we weren't breaking boundaries with our skateboarding or anything like that. We were just Piss, basically pissing off um, anybody in a car who was trying to get out of, like, three converging roads and um, holding up traffic and then thinking that we were cool 
that it, it was cool going down and then you have to this is the thing about skateboarding if you're going downhill it's fucking amazing it's great it's really good fun uh, and then you've got to get off your skateboard and walk back to the top of the hill and repeat the process again. Are we going to die this time? Who knows? You get to the bottom. Well, we're all alive. Let's put our lives at risk again by walking to the top of these hills again. Um, I don't know. Summer holidays, isn't it, people? You know, that's what you do, isn't it? Summer holidays, it was that water fights and possibly, you know, opening up various like gas mains like supplies and stuff like that this is one thing uh that i remember going on um uh one of the guys who lived down the road uh from me opened up a fucking it was either a water main or a gas main you know those little metal squares you get in the street lifted one of those up and found an ant's nest and then burnt the fucking lot of them with a fucking and his eyebrows off at the same time with a, uh, a fucking, I think it was WD-40 and a lighter he had. <laughs> fucking, I know, yeah. That was it. We'll just do that when we're 11 years old, shall we? Yeah, we'll do that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Could be water mains. Could be a gas mains. Either, either. We're going to know in a moment. Um, Great times, man. Great times. What are we on? 25 minutes. Fucking hell, I've rambled on a bit. And I... Yes, you have, Ben. You're all thinking. Now, let's get to uh, what's been happening in the news. Um... Here's a mental case who nobody spotted this. Talking about blasts from the past, uh, this is a fucking hell of a headline. Aliens exist and they are living invisibly on Earth, says first Brit in space. Now, I remember this happening. Dr. Helen Sharman uh, became a national hero, right, when she was the first Brit ever in space. You go, girl. You go. Um, at the age of 27, she became the first Briton to go into space, responding to a job ad she heard on radio, radio while driving home from work. That's how easy it was in those days. I remember this happening because she was on Blue Peter. Actually, this is worrying. 1991, she went up. Uh, how old was I in 1991? 13. That's not too bad. 13, 14. Mm, I don't know. I shouldn't be watching Blue Peter at that age, really. I must have been bored. I was probably... Uh, I was probably uh, just off out skateboarding, just back from skateboarding, bit tired out. That could have been it. Uh, Alex, she has now claimed, clearly gone mental. Something has uh, disconnected in her brain. Uh, aliens exist and they could be living invisibly among us on Earth, says the first British astronaut to blast. She blasted into outer space. Dr. Helen Sharman was 27 years old food chemist when she visited Russia's Mir space station. In May 1991, she applied and was selected, beating more than 13,000 others after hearing a call for potential astronauts on the radio while driving home from work. We got that. Stop repeating yourself article. Almost 30 years on from her historic achievement, she has clearly gone mental. It doesn't say that. The Sheffield-born national hero said extraterrestrial life could be, could be living under our noses. Oh, Jesus. Some moustache joke in there somewhere. <laughs> There are so many billions of stars out there in the universe that there must be all sorts of different forms of life. Ah, so she hasn't said that. She's just like, she's hedged her bets. This is news, people. She's hedged her bets. What's happened is I fell into the old trap again, haven't I? Without reading the article before this starts. I fell in the old trap. Hook, line and sinker. Briggs has fell down again. 
Uh, will they be like you and me, made up of carbon and nit nitrogen? Maybe not. It's possible they're here right now and we simply can't see them. Uh, I'm not sure that's true. Some call her the first British woman in space, even though she was the first British person in space, period. It's a uh, fucking... I have no idea that why they put period at the end there. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's the wrong word to use, surely. Uh, Dr. Sherman feels that some people simply forgot about me when British astronaut Tim Peake followed her in, followed in her footsteps in 2015. You get in there, Helen. You were the first one to do it, weren't you? You know it. You go, girl, and all that shit. Uh, more than 13,000 people have applied. Oh, it's just repeating shit, isn't it? So basically, it's a story, a non-story. That's what it is, an absolute non-story. She said, well, they could be and they might be living amongst us. But then again, they might not. Fucking hell. So she's not as gone as mental as I thought. Unless she's sitting there twitching. Just repeat. If she's sitting there repeatedly saying that, they're living amongst us. They're living amongst Yeah, Yeah, she's gone fucking mental. Obviously. Uh, but if not, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt there. She's been stitched up by the press. Here's somebody who hasn't been stitched up by the press. Uh, another story. Um, man wakes up to find burglar sucking his toes. Now, there's worse things that that burglar could have been doing, really, to be honest, couldn't he? Uh, a man has been traumatised, he was. Traumatised. You get off my toes, you fucking pervert. Are you <laughs> Look, just are you going to kill me or what? Just stop sucking my toes. Um, a man has been traumatised after waking up in the middle of the night to find a burglar sucking his toes. Was he a burglar, though, or was he just breaking in, sucking people's... Did he steal anything? Apart from the man's toe-sucking virginity, the victim, 20, told the intruder that he didn't have any money, but the man responded that he didn't want cash just wanted to suck toes. He's not a fucking burglar then, is he? He'll get done for breaking and sucking. <laughs> uh, they began to fight with the suspect claiming he would pull a gun from his pants and grab in his genitals as if to do so. Ah, that's a bit odd. Uh, thankfully, he didn't pull out a gun and the victim managed to push him outside. Uh, did he still have his fucking toe in his mouth or what? After leaving, the man smashed the victim's car windscreen and then... <laughs> well, if you're not going to let me suck your toe, take that. Windscreen. Police were called to the scene in Brandonton, Florida. They're American. Uh, on Christmas Eve and brought dogs in the home of... In the home. It says in the home. In the hope of tracking down the foot fetishist. <laughs> well, they do. Give them a sock to fucking sniff. There you go, lads. Follow that. And the geezer's there with them. Uh, however, they have not made any arrests yet. They took swabs of DNA from between the victim's toes to try and find him, but have not yet come up with any matches in a database. Oh, fuck me. Imagine that, waking up to find somebody sucking. There's worse scenarios, isn't there? There's a lot. That could have been a lot worse. If that guy didn't have a foot of fetish, you know, I don't know an ass-sniffing fetish or something like that, or you wake up and somebody's sucking the old chap, or just smashing a fucking axe into your ankles, just chopping your feet off. That would have been a lot worse. That guy got <laughs> that guy got off easy, easy, if anything. He didn't want any money. He lost no money out of it. He got his toe sucked. Somebody woke him up in the middle of the night. Yes, granted, but 
you know, it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Um, what are we on? Oh, man, we have smashed through this podcast today, and I haven't done the adverts either. Oh, oh. I'll have to save them till next time, people. Uh, that was episode 71 uh, of the Ben Briggs podcast. If you want to send me uh, anything, I don't know, a message or, um, uh, I don't know, a question or anything like that, it is just podcast at benbriggs.co.uk. Uh, if you want to like, share, subscribe um, to this, that would be good as well. I will be back on Saturday, people. Oh, yeah. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, motherfuckers. I'll speak to you then. Take care.